Anime Pulse, episode 606. host joseph joined by my co-host andrew chan hello again yes and we are here back again to bring you more news and reviews of anime this time as we are finally out of our preview season mm, yes finally over it felt like the, the longest preview season we've maybe done yet actually indeed but it I might be also because it... of the week gap it could be that. It could also be that we actually it was the longest previews we ever had. Um, just because mm. it, I took it like on my duty to find more things to preview, just so I don't like immediately jump back into reviewing stuff. Because I run out of reviews real fast now. Yeah, I think it gives you time to kind of replenish your inventory. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a really good. It's a really good way of doing that, especially if you have busy weekends and you don't have time to write. Because you know. I've also, as I started, the same way you do previews, is where you just, you know, I just try and bullet point it and just kind of, you know, I don't bother making them so heavily scripted. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, get right into it then with some IRL news. Hmm. Yes, indeed. So, how's your week been? Well, my week has been pretty standard. I mean, I had uh, Memorial Day, so I had off on Monday. Um. Uh, yeah, took the took the day to just kind of relax and really not do too much. Being that it is Memorial Day, you don't really have yeah, uh, the option to go out and like partake of activities because a lot of things are closed that day. Is there any, like, because I know, like, Thanksgiving in America, you guys have turkey. Is there any specific thing you got to do on Memorial Day? If you do celebrate it, typically it is just, like, uh, it's, like, kind of, like, family get-together kind of thing. Almost like the 4th of July, where everyone just comes together to celebrate whatever Memorial Day is supposed to be about. You know, some people actually remember that it's about, I think it's about veterans and remembering those who have fallen for our freedom. Um, but for the most part, nowadays, it's just become spend money on food, get drunk, and uh, share tales with one another. That also sounds pretty good. I mean, you know, I bet yeah. a lot of people don't know what St. Patrick's does, except for the fact that we just drink on that day. So, yeah. Or St. Valentine's. Wait, there's actually a Saint... Oh, wait, so Valentine's Day is actually based on a saint? Yeah, Saint Valentine, which is the saint that was persecuted by a Roman emperor, I think. And I forget exactly the context behind it. But I know that Saint Valentine becomes a martyr for his beliefs. Is it it might be similar to the saint we have, you know, in Scotland. Um, It was, I think... 
the emperor had like a limit on the number of children you could have or something like that. Right. And St. Valentine would allow people to have as many children as they wanted. Right. Hence the whole love thing on Valentine's Day. I think I that's think what it. it was. I mean, don't, don't, you know, take my word for granted. Just go and look it up yourself. A quick Google search will bring it to the Wikipedia page for sure. Yeah, I mean, even if that isn't true, it's a cool story. <laughs> so I kind of want to believe that's the story. Yep. It makes just about enough enough <clears throat> sense, you know. But aside from that, this week has been pretty standard. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. the fam is back already. They have returned oh, yeah? early. Because Did they, you miss uh... them? What's that? Did you miss them? Uh, kind of. I mean, as you grow older, I think like you start to appreciate the people that you kind of like know that eventually they won't be around anymore. I keep coming to grips with that fact every now and then, and not to get too heavy or oh. deep, but it's like I know my oh. dad's not going to be here every single day. Uh, yeah. you know, when I get in my thirties and forties, he's going to start getting really old. And then in my fifties, mm. like he might not be around anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's a, yeah, that's going to be a really tricky phase of life where it stops giving and starts taking, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> people still come as well, whether it be family or friends, you know? Right. So yeah. Appreciate those who do remain and also yeah. cherish those who, who were there before. But now that they're back, uh, they, uh, you know, settled in and noticed everything I've done. We, uh, we all actually mm -hmm. had a big, uh, like, lawn care day yesterday. So we all went out and mowed the lawn, picked, you know, pulled weeds and dug out the, the front of the lawn where the, uh, the edging needs to be done right near the curb. And then, like, dug oh. up all the grass that's in the, the, uh, the street's gutters. So the water uh -huh. can flow freely down the street without getting caught up on all the nastiness in there. Yeah, it was a, it mm -hmm. was a good time. I'm surprised I don't have any blisters on my hands. Um, and I, because uh, I did a lot of shoveling. And a sure way to get blisters is to shovel. You don't wear gloves to help protect you from that, though? Oh, no, I do. But I also, I just get blisters through my hands anyways. I have very delicate ah, hands. Quite... Ah, okay. Sensitive skin and all that. Right. Yep. Okay, I, I can relate, yeah. Uh, in addition to that, today I actually finished up the Borderlands Game of the Year edition. Oh, good. Yes. That only took you like three weeks, didn't it? Uh, a little bit more than that. I kept putting it off here and there. Um, All right. But yeah. uh, I finally done with it. I have mm -hmm. beaten the Claptrap DLC. However, I still have some achievements I need to grind out. Um, specifically, there are three achievements in the Claptrap DLC. Um, Water Party, Lubinator, and uh, one for collecting bobbleheads. And the thing about that is that uh, if you kill a Claptrap unit, it drops a random amount of stuff. And it could be it drops parts for a Claptrap, which is very often what it drops. Or it could also drop, like, a bobblehead, a, a claptrap bobblehead. It could drop offshore oil. Or it could drop pizza, panties, or a fish in a bag. One and, of these things is not like the other. Yes. <clears throat> and uh, 
it's a really fucking grindy a bunch of achievements because they their drop rates on this shit is it's so bad and I was trying to grind out some of it today. I did the final boss fight against the uh, Minak, which is like this uh, Maniac or whatever it is. It's the Claptrap tank boss. And if you shoot off all of its turrets, you are actually able to uh, go and just like kind of jump in front of it and it will like shoot Claptraps out the front of its uh, mouth. And you can kind of just like shoot those claptraps as they're coming out as quick as they spawn. And they spawn pretty fast. And you can usually get like uh, 10 or 12 claptraps in a single, uh, single, uh, single, uh, like part there because he'll, the tank will move. So like you can do like 10 there and then it will move to another corner of the map, then 10 there and another corner of the map. And it'll keep moving to these corners of the map. And allowing you to kill like 10 at a time. The problem is like the clap traps are dropping so much shit that it's hard to figure out what they have dropped. And the only achievement I got was for collecting the 3D glasses, which is another thing they drop. The problem, the other huh. problem is they don't continually drop the stuff you need and they'll drop the stuff you don't need. Like I don't need 3D glasses anymore, but they drop it all the time still. I don't need I that shit. parts for the uh, the Tannis quest, which one of them is like collect 150 claptrap parts, which is kind of like the brains quest from Dr. Ned, because you have to collect, uh, I think it's like seven claptrap parts at the beginning, or five, then you have to collect like 45, then you have to collect, or no, it was 25, 50... Then 100, 150, something like that. So hmm. it's not nearly as bad because you don't need to get crit hits on them to make them drop their shit. But still, at the same time, it's really frustrating and it's a grindy fucking achievement. It's not like I'm trying to 100% right. the game. There are other achievements that I don't think I'll ever have the patience for getting. Specifically, Mad Moxie's, uh, the DLC f- achievement for her last three arenas. I got one of them, the Angelic Runes. The problem is, her last three have 20 rounds, and each round is five waves. And I went over it before, but holy shit, unless you've got a modded weapon, you are sitting there for fucking days trying to fight these guys. And I have a shield that lets me basically walk around like Zeus. So, (laughs) it's it's a little frustrating. I can kill things pretty quickly if they're, you know, a couple levels under me. But in my Moxie's DLC, everything is your level. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know if I'll get those. But yeah. Aside from that, that has been... That's basically been my week. How about yourself? Uh, you know, it's similar to yours. It's been sort of like a week as you, you know, a normal week as usual. Except we did have a bank holiday Monday, so that was quite nice to have like Monday off just because of that. Mayday. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, work work is work as usual. But, you know, the most relevant thing that I think is probably worth mentioning is that we did have ourselves two crossover shows on YouTube. Um, Cross Pulse episode three with the uh, video game Pulse, the, the entire crew. Um, which we're batting two for two, given the fact that Kaz typically uh, can be a bit flaky because of her her, um, 
sleep cycle and stuff. So I was very lucky to get her for a second show. Um, and then uh, following that, well, that one we discussed basically censorship is the main thing. There's a Q&A section, and then we discussed uh, censorship specifically in, in, the, in the wake of Atlas now, changing a few things to their games, like um, there's going to be changes to the game Catherine. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, it's yes, Catherine. Catherine, the climbing the it's, blocks. It's a great, a fantastic game. I love that game. So much fun. Yeah. Well, there's, there's going to be like a redo of that called like a, like a HD version of it, like Catherine full body that adds in a whole new route as well as a third Catherine with yep. a Q this time right. um, but because of some uh, some campaignings from individuals I suppose I shouldn't name um, it's now going to be censored basically uh, Atlas is going to bend the knee and basically change things of it to make it less uh, I, I guess more LGBTQ friendly is the way they put it I suppose. So retarded. Oh yeah I know I don't so I got to hear uh, Video Game Pulse's thoughts on that, especially since in the wake of that, there's a chance that Persona 5, the Royal, which is the kind of like a redo of Persona 5 with an extra character in it, may also be at risk of having the same sort of censorship to it because of the way the fans have outraged um, about the new female character they added into the game. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, when Atlas spent the knee on one thing, who's to say they won't do it for the other thing? So... That's what we're going to be talking about. Well, we have been talking about in the Video Game Pulse crossover. Um, the links for both crossovers are in the description. Joseph was kind enough to put them in there beforehand. So thank you very much for that, Joseph. Um, and then if you're interested in the After Dark one, I had Railway 24-7, the other After Dark Pulse... Uh, After Dark Pulse. After Dark host that I didn't manage to get last time. And on that one, we discussed the subject of Etchy, when it's used good... Oh, well, Etchy fan service, just fan service, anyway. When it's used good and when it's used badly. Uh, you know, and then we also have a question and uh, answer session with uh, Real Way towards the end as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it was. I think they went really well. I had a fun time with them. They were actually really. You know, I, I always actually have a fun time with video game pulse. Uh, but I, I was also um, my first time having a lengthy discussion with Rio, and I think I think we did pretty well. She's very easy to talk to, so it's good. Um, yeah, so check them out if you're interested. But that's pretty much the main thing worth mentioning for my week in general. So I can move on to community stuff. Sorry, that's my phone going off. Um, what's this? Yeah. Anyways, comments. So first one's sort of directed at me. It's from Yotaro Vegeta, which I think it's, it's worth mentioning because it's going to be relevant to a news article I'm going to be talking about in the news section. Uh, first one goes like this. Just like ANN's reaction to the Lolly Fox Girl anime, I think the recent attention to ANN is overblown. Yeah, Senko san is pretty tame, especially when you consider that there's a Nobunaga loves naked lollies anime in the same season. But A, we all know the show's giving lollicons an out with the whole she's actually hundreds of years old gimmick. And B, ANN has ha, um, have been social justice warriors way before the internet created the term to express their butthurt over ultra liberals. I'm. I know I'm not the only one around here to witness all the crap that went down on the ANN forums, and I'm totally sure that people have listened to the opinions of the ANN cast on podcast hosts, in uh, ANN cast podcast hosts. The magnifying glass is on them from the Vic controversy, but I feel like this is consistent behavior. So it's interesting. At the start of this comment, it kind of almost sounded like you were going to defend them, but then you, you know, I, I don't think that's what this is actually about because. You know, the this response towards the end has just been like, yeah, they may be shit now, but they've kind of always been shitty. So I guess you kind of, I, I mean, 
I yeah, you're you're correct in that I used to think of them as a, a reliable source. I mean, they do purport to be was it like the most trusted source for anime news or part of their tagline or something. Um, I now don't trust them quite near as much as I could, given their uh, journalistic integrity. In fact, I went into a, a long discussion with um, I got my phone on silent. Um, into a long discussion with one of the one of the folks on the uh, Discord Discord uh, server about um why I choose to not actually use ANN as much as I used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you could sort of uh. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of an angle that really works, but that as a defense doesn't really work. But I don't know if you're really defending them, to be honest with that. Uh, well, I don't really depends, know what shit's like, going on. It's just like a matter of where you are at with these news uh, news sources. So, like, you know, Johnny 2x4 shows up and is like, oh, wow, this ANN place seems pretty reliable, but someone who's been around, you know, Fat Otaku 49, who's been around for 49 years and knows all about ANN and their misgivings, then, you know, he could be like, oh, no, don't trust him, Johnny. They're, they're shady people, you know. Mm -hmm. But then that same individual, like, you know, Fat Otaku could be like, wow, these, uh, these guys over here at, um, Sankaku Complex are pretty pretty phenomenal. And then Johnny 2x4 <laughs> could be like, oh no, I heard some pretty bad things about them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it start, maybe it would have started off more as like rumor as such, because, you know, he said stuff happened on their forums in the past. Um, even way before this, apparently. Um, but, you know, it only really, and I, I was saying that as well uh, on the Discord server, where it was like, yeah, they may have done some bad things, and I, I think the YouTuber thing, which I'm going to be covering later on, is also pretty bad. But the main thing that's you know just stops me from using them is the whole integrity thing with the whole you know false evidence, the falsified evidence, and it's it's okay if you get some shit wrong. I'm not trying to hold all news sources to that sort of standard, you know. And I have said that we're, you know, as as a as wholesome anime pulse, you know, we don't get first hand sources like we don't get to speak directly with the industry. We but we get to share our thoughts on it. Right, but it, it kind of is. It's hard to do so, and on a factual basis, if you have such an a you know somebody who's proven to uh, color the truth. Let's put it that way: color the truth and leave out certain facts. But you know, um, I mean, do you have any other co uh, comment on that? Um, when he's talking about Senko-san or anything, or any other thoughts well, on ANN? Not really. Now? I'll just I'll no? continue okay. to use their their news. I just know that. They may be having biased opinions here and there. I just have to watch. Yeah, out for yeah. It's it's like a pinch of salt, right? And I and I did also state that in the Discord where I was saying, hey, I'm not saying no one else should use them as a source. Um, it's just if I'm trying to go off anything factual, I don't really hold it in very high regard, and I think everybody's being more wary now. But you know, hearing that they've always been that way from Yotaru, um, well, that's news to me, <laughs> you know. And I think if. If one thing I could say that's positive that's come out of this entire Vic controversy, it's been that it has really outed a lot of individuals from different industries as being kind of, like, shady and shit, you know? It's really outed a lot of, you know, people I wouldn't expect to be outed, so... ANN just happens to be one of them. Anyways, on a more lighter topic, he says, Sarah Zanmai is from the director who brought you Revolutionary, Revolutionary Girl Utena, Mawaru Penguin Drum, that's the one you mentioned, actually, and... Mm -hmm. Yurikuma Arashi Kunihiko Ikuhara. I don't know what that last one is. 
Uh, all strange shows, all with that distinct visual flair, and all dealing with deeper issues wrapped in the aforementioned strangeness. So that's some more background information for uh, Sarah Zanmai's uh, director. I don't have his name here. Um, oh wait, oh, is that who it is? Kunihiko Ikuhara. Oh, I guess that's the director. Right. I, I thought that was part of the last title. Um, cool. Um, thanks for the information. I think I probably will look into more of his work, honestly. I've, I've heard very good things about Utena. So, thanks for that, Yotaru. Um, okay, now it takes us to the forum topics. There's two updates for last week's one, being anime... No, genres you don't really care for. First off is Trinity Angel 0666, who says, I don't care much for Mecha or Slice of Life. Now, this doesn't mean I will not watch these two genres, I just don't particularly seek them out unless I see a trailer that gets my attention, or if it's recommended. There are about a handful of mecha anime that I do like, such as Voltron. Is Voltron an anime? I thought that's like one of those American shows, no? It was, it's a cartoon, people call it an anime though. It's kind of like, would you say like the, the, where are they, the something knights, the Zodiac Knights, would you say that's an anime? I don't know what Zodiac Knights is, so I would be able to say actually. Uh, Zodiac Knights. Or the Knights of Zodiac. Sorry, Saint Seiya, Knights of the Zodiac. Oh, isn't that made in Japan anyway? Though, isn't that like a that's a Shonen Jump, right? Saint Seiya is is Shonen Jump, right? Because it's in yes. the Jump Stars games. It was. Yeah, yeah. So that's. But it mean. came out yeah. around that time where like a lot of things had that cartoony look to them, and this is one right. of right. So it kind of depends on if you determine anime by art style. Right. This, that's one of those right. things where it's like, they look like Power Rangers, basically. Yes. So it's like, do you think it counts? Or do you think, you know, does it, may, it, does it depend where it's made? Or does it depend on what it looks like? Mm, I think, I think more, it's more production and practices, probably more than art style. Uh, but that's just me. I mean, because I mean, I know some people consider Avatar: The Last Airbender to be an anime. <laughs> you know, so, it you know, I those guess people are fools. Own. Fools. <laughs> those people are objectively wrong. By the way, now up to you guys. Um, Voltron, Blue Gender, Patel, Patlabor, Patlabor, Appleseed, and Macross. As for Slice of Life, there are a few that I really enjoyed, such as Wolf Children, Nana. That's more like a shoujo to me than slice of life. Five centimeters per second, GTFO. I mean GTO and Maria Sama Gamiteru. That's not one title. That's two. <laughs> Living in a society where there's too much media to consume is not enough time. I have to really cherry pick the content I want to consume. Life is just too busy, and when it comes to anime, Mecha and slice of life anime are just low on my list. Thank you for that. Very good informative answer. Next we have Gol Shinobi who says. I'd say one pretty popular genre that I really don't care for is mecha. Oh, not a lot of mecha lovers out there. I don't know why, but I've just never been interested in them. I guess big re- robots just aren't my thing. Gotta go watch yeah, Big O, man. Big O is pretty great. Big O! I'm so glad... Oh, I'm so glad you know what that is. I, I don't think a lot of people... It wasn't really a super popular show. But I think It, it also had good. like a really nice love story to it between... Uh... The Android Lady? Yeah, she android, android girl. I can't remember. Yeah, she was an android. And, uh... Mm. What was his name? Shit. I can't remember. The, the pilot of Big O, but I can't remember his name. For the life of me, I can't remember. Um, I know who I know who you're talking about, though. It had a very nice, sort of, like, sleek noir style to it, too. Definitely give that oh, a look. It's also called that, that The Big O, by the way. 
I'm just looking it <laughs> up here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Roger Smith. Right. Roger what? Smith. That's a that very the, Western the name. The negotiator, yes. With uh, Dorothy, R. Dorothy Wainwright. That's right, Dorothy. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, we can't I, I forget about Norman. Norman Berg is yeah. Butler. Oh, yes, right. Very we'll classic going out show. Today, I so Badass looking Butler, mm. too. He's got like the eye patch and whatnot. He does. Man, I think that's one thing. I like during that one part, during like the uh. one big fight where Big O's fighting this other giant character, like he gets on like his little scooter and he's like driving around the city because he's like, I must go shopping for Miss Wainwright's dress that Mr. Smith bought for her. <laughs> it just, it's so cool. Oh, such, and it has like, it has like a Batman feel to it too because there's like very like, you know, he's, you know, film noir, very film noir. Ah, such good, such a good series. Mm. Ah, slight, slight correction for me, by the way. I, I think I got it wrong. Apparently, Voltron is a Japanese anime readapted for Western audiences. Apparently, it is made in Japan. So mm. that's a slight correction. Thank you very much for that. Rampant and Black Magic collaborating together. Um. Okay, and that moves us on to our current week's topic. I think we only have one posting for this one, so it'll be very fast. This is anime that. You didn't care for so much at first, but eventually grew on you. Go into it as much detail as you'd like. Hopefully we'll get more responses for next week. But for now, we have Rampant AI who says, Well, one show that comes to mind, I started watching the first episode of Log Horizon and found it to be too derivative of SAO at the time. That's sort of online for the uninitiated. Little did we know that Isekai would become its own genre and anime, right? But then I went back and began to rewatch it and a few months later and got really hooked. It was really well done. So, oh, it was actually well done. Sorry, I'm misreading that because I'm starting to, the gin's starting to hit. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Log Horizon, I, I think I had a similar impression, I think. Because to me, I, I noticed it just after SAO and I thought it was like, oh, this is a copycat. They get sucked in a game. Blah, blah, blah. But it's actually surprisingly good. And they deal with things a lot more pragmatically than SAO. Um, it definitely has its own appeal. I'd say like Log Horizon is like an inverse where I loved SAO at first, and then eventually I grew out of it. But then Log Horizon, I didn't like at first, and then it, yeah, that's a very good, very good example. Well done, Rampant. Good choice. But what about you, Joseph? I actually have a few different ideas here. Uh, kind of try sure, to go, go for, for the it. gambit. Uh, something a bit older, but uh, Steins Gate. Now, initially, I really wasn't going to be going for and watching Steins Gate just because, yeah, I wasn't. It wasn't something that really like seemed to like it be impressing me. But people kept going on and on about you know, Madu scientists, and I was just like, all right, I'll give it a try. I'm so and glad you stuck for. Oh, I yes. you know at first it definitely was a bit like. All right, I kind of see it's, you know, a little humorous here and there, really slow. And, and then it started picking up and picking up, and then people start dying, and then he started time traveling, and things started happening. I was like, oh my shit, oh my god. Uh, and and it's then I was a, happy. It's a roller coaster, right? It's, yes. Yeah. I'm happy with that ending, too. I don't need to see another Steins Gate. Everything is fine. Oof. Everyone's happy. That's the way, it's, that's the way it'll be. Oh yeah, um, there are some depressing shit that happens in the new one. Yeah, um, and but I, 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 I agree with you. 
But I agree with you where it's not necessary to ne- to go into the new one if you don't want to, given that it takes place in a different timeline. Yes. So. But it's like, it's going to be impossible for me to review that one when we get around to it without spoiling the shit out of the first season. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's fine. Anyways. You know, it's an older, older anime. Yeah. The, t- the what, time what frame say? for spoilers is quite, quite past. Yeah, what would you say is like, what's the time frame that you go by in terms of spoilers? For spoilers, it depends on the genre. Like, if it's a movie, if like a person's, it also depends on like your crowd. Like, if you're just like right. in a willy nilly, you know, public place, it's two weeks. Two weeks before right. you start publicly discussing spoilers. If you're with cro- close friends and you know one of your friends hasn't seen the thing still, then you give them a month. Right. And then right, after right. that, you know, or, you know, you give it until the thing is out of the movie theaters, in which case it's like, well, you missed out. Too bad. So sad. If you don't want to hear spoilers, get out of the room. Mm. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, those assholes that <laughs> put the Avengers Endgame spoilers on week one, man. Or day Some guy one, got even. beaten. Some guy got beaten up, by the way, like at a cinema for doing that. Did you know you hear about that? I imagine that would happen. It's just like yeah, one guy left the would... theater and started saying spoilers, and they beat the shit out of him. Which I know it's bad. You should never beat the shit out of somebody, but like, it's kind of funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, he brought it himself. It's like those guys that yeah. would drive by Barnes and Nobles like at midnight, where people are waiting out line for the next Harry Potter novel, and they'd be like, "Dumbledore gets killed," and then you know all the all the fans yeah. would be like, "No." Uh, you know, if I was one of those fans, I'd be like, "Large rock, I'm throwing it at your car now." Yeah, you're a, <laughs> you deserve the death penalty if they're if if that's the biggest argument for the death penalty. <laughs> yeah, if, if there was that something I was legitimately excited those... about and was like, "I don't want," I'm going on media blackout and I'm standing out mm-hmm. line like, "Yes, yes, here it comes! I'm about to get my thing. I can't wait to get home." I took off all next week's just so I could read this thing, and someone went and spoiled like the ending for me, or you know, big spoilers for it. Yeah, I'd be more than inclined to beat the shit out of that person, and I'd feel no remorse about being arrested for it. Special place in hell for those who do it, anyway, at the very least. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you have other anime, right, that you mentioned? Oh, yes. Uh, March comes in like a lion. At ah. first, again, this is kind of like Steins Gate, where I was like, iffy about it when it first started up. It was like... All right, the animation's really good. Like, it started pulling me in with the animation. But the story seemed to still be like, oh, my God, how much drama can you fit into this? But then, like, like it was like Turnabout in the first episode where it was just like, holy shit. Like, just this, like, like the moment where I think it's Hina takes off. Um, I think she takes off... Uh, or raise glasses because like he's trying like he fell asleep in like the living room or something and like she can just see that he's been crying and it's just like oh the feels man all the feels Mm -hmm. oh there's so many good moments to like that first season there's so many good moments to the second season too but Oh. Yeah, I should definitely check that one out because I still haven't watched that that is such a good fucking anime yeah, it reaches it go things. it goes so many places and it like it reaches out to so many different types of person as well. Are you old? Then th- there's like parts of this that are gonna like call to you. Are you someone who's gone through bullying? Then you're definitely gonna have parts of this that calls to you. Are you someone who's experienced a death in your family that really shook you? Then yes, you'll experience this as well. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's 
such a good, such a good anime. Mm. Mm. That's good. And my final one is uh, another one that was kind of like, ah, oh, just standard rom-com kind of stuff. Golden Time. You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, you can still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, okay. Yep. You said, are you all right? So I didn't know what that meant. Oh, uh, I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> Sorry, Golden Time. Right, Golden Time. Golden Time, so... It, you know, it kind of started up, dude had amnesia kind of thing. I was like, right. all right, seen that gimmick before. And, oh, look, there's a girl, and all oh, clearly she's going to be the one that he's going to fall in love with kind of thing. But then, like, it just started getting really deeper and deeper with, like, the psychological connections between being someone, like, being the person you are versus the person you used to be and the memories that were attached to those and it right. delved deeper and deeper down that. And, you know, do you, do you stay... The, if you recall your memories from your past, do you go back to being the person you were? Or do you continue to stay along the path you've ch you know chosen as the new person that you don't remember anymore? Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, some really, good po uh, some really good picks there for this. Um, Thank you. I guess I'll go over a few that come to mind for me. Okay. Um, first off, Rizero Kara Hajimeru Isekai Seikatsu starts off um kind of okay, and it's you know it's it's pretty decent animation throughout, but it really really picks up when we get to the last arcs and Subaru, the main character, really has to suffer and work really hard to get his good ending. So oh, yeah. that would be one to mention at the end. Um. Controversially, Ori no Imoto ga Konani Kawai Wakega Nai. Or Imo. I know, I know, I know. Sorry, let me explain. Um, it starts off uh, fairly mediocre, and honestly, um, I didn't really care for much of what happened in episode in, in the first season in general. <laughs> um, except for maybe the part where he tries to, you know, where it's about trying to get the dad to accept her hobby. You know that puts that puts pretty decent but apart from that the first season was kind of bleh to me right um towards the end though the when i found out that there's the uh, good ending part what i it took me a while to realize there's actually a good ending section of the first season because I, I fell for the the fake ending um <laughs> that you know this the when, when kirino's removed from the picture and actually there's starting to be a budding relationship between uh kiosuke and Kuroneko, it actually kind of picked up a little bit for me, and I found myself quite engaged up until like the fifth episode of the second season. Um, uh, and I think it's like, oh, you were happy, were you? Well, not anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. I got myself invested, and it was a shame. Also, I think the payoff was really good at the end. Um, well, not not the end of second season, but the end of the first season <laughs> when uh, Kirino actually like gives a heartfelt thank you for every because he he bends over backwards for her that entire season mm -hmm. so for him to actually receive a thank you and he starts crying i was like oh that's that's nice you know it wasn't completely without heart even though my 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 thoughts on that series is kind of mixed so <laughs> i think honestly the reason why maybe a lot of people had a negative reaction towards the end of season two might have been because of how much it was you know it was built up um, you know, when people started to really get into it, I think. Um, 
God. The Bakimoto series. All those girls he rejected at the end of season two just feel like, nope, 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 nope. And it's just like, oh, you're breaking their hearts, man. I know you love the one girl, but oh, you're breaking their hearts. I don't understand this as well, because it's like, you know, it's some anime. We have to make sure we, you know, everybody gets a bit of screen time towards the end. He has like a victory lap of just turning down every girl for no, even girls I didn't even think like cared about him. He does this too, and I'm like, this is so fucking yeah, weird. Yeah, like the right. the brash lolly. Yeah, um, the idol girl one, the one that's like dressed. Like, yeah, and I, I was like, I didn't see that one him. coming. And she even confesses to him like at the idol concert, and he was like, I'm in love with someone else. But she took it <laughs> like, like I, I think she took it the most in stride of all the girls. She did, but she was also on stage, so she probably cried backstage afterwards. For all we know. Yeah, potentially. You know? I think the one that really got to me though was definitely. Um, was probably like the it wasn't the one between his childhood friend because that was really just hilarious where the childhood friend just starts getting into a fist fight with a fucking that sister. was brutal <laughs> that was pretty brutal honestly god they Jesus. got into such a fight too and it was just like I, Ooh. The slapping is constant i didn't know whether i'm supposed to find this funny or serious i was just like confused but yeah was... but uh, yeah the one that got to me was definitely um the yandere friend isa I say right where it was just like you know it's like she was just begging practically just like please no please don't and he was like I I can't yeah. I'm in love with someone else she's like almost visually identical to Kirino as well <laughs> yeah it's like just put a yeah. blonde wig on that bitch and you're good to go pretty identical it's kind of crazy I don't know why she well I need designed her that way but whatever and then I suppose uh, last two I'd mentioned is Bakimono starts off like you know you don't know where it's going it's just wordy talking everywhere but it actually once he picks up a good bunch of characters and the humour really kind of hits its stride it's really good so Bakimono would be one and last but not least I would say Mob Cycle 100 oh. it's you know you go into it thinking like yo it's the same creator did One Punch Man but it actually and if you have your expectations hoping to get like a One Punch Man you will be disappointed in some regards but at the same time, oh man, where where it works, it really works in terms of its theming and how um, you know, the main character is also overpowered like Saitama. But he has his, he has his own sort of journey, and every other character really parallels his um. He has more of a gimmick know, his to his one. power level too, though. Like you can you yeah. can kick his ass, and like yes, you it can. just depends. And unlike Saitama, who can just be like, I'm always powerful. You know, like I'm always angry, like the Hulk. This kid's more like, he has to work to get there. He has to get to that 100%. Yeah, he can get there in a split second, depending on what happens, mm. but still, it takes some time. Yeah. Oh, it's not, it's not even just that, because, I mean, even that not 100%, he's much more proficient at being a psychic user than pretty much everybody else you see. But it's it's more like, a, it's more of a story about strength of character, right? He still appreciates that body improvement club because they have a resolve, they're... They're hardworking. So he just wants to be a strong person in terms of like how he mentally deals with life and physically. So I think that's actually a very... It really does speak to somebody who doesn't just take advantage of his strength. Like, the blonde-haired guy, right? I can't remember his name, but, like, you know, he's talented, but he just uses it to um, take advantage of others and, you know, gives them a sense of superiority whilst, you know, Mob actually wants to work to be recognised, you know. And that's, that's a good message. So I think it was something that really did grow on me as it went on, I do appreciate it almost to the same level as something like One Punch Man Season 1. 
And did that take know, place in the same universe as One Punch Man? Um, I don't think so. I don't think it's the oh. same universe. It would make because... sense if it did, but uh, yeah, I guess you're right. The only reason there's no there's no flat out rejection of that, but the only reason I want to say no is because you know maybe the hero association and the idea of there being heroes would be mentioned. You know, if it turned out there's a guy of psychic powers that's this powerful, it's like he didn't even consider once becoming a hero. Um, or, you know, we don't see them running about, so I, I don't think so, especially since there's no, like, there's no city A to Z, like, city Z, city J, you know, it could, could be, be the same world. world. Yeah, it could, it could be the same world, but I, I do kind of doubt it, because even if that was a separate part, I'm pretty sure people would be aware of there being heroes in another country, you know, and there right, would be, right. not quirks, but people would know mm-hmm. of powers, besides just like, oh, some people don't believe psychics exist, you know, but yeah. That's, those would be my entries, and I think that does round us up for the community section for today. So, Alright, then we will be off to the industry news. <clears throat> and we have uh, right. quite a few articles to deal with today, so let's get off with a short one here. The French okay. government uh, conferred the, uh, <clears throat> it's a French word here, so the Chevalier de l'Ordre des Arts et des Lettres, or the Knight of the Order of the Arts and Letters, uh, decorating to the Dragon Ball creator Akiri Toriyama, TLDR, Akiri Toriyama was knighted. Now, he was uh, knighted by the French embassy in Japan, however... Toriyama is a very private person, and very rarely does he appear in public. As mm. such, his publisher, Akio uh, Yoku, was actually the one who received the medal in his place, and apologized for the absence of Toriyama, saying that Mr. Toriyama is always very grateful to his French fans who have appreciated his work since the early days of his career. Unfortunately, Mr. Toriyama almost never attends ceremonies, and so I have the honor of receiving this award in his place. He instructed me to tell you how he how honored he is to receive this award from your country. Oh, that's nice. But yeah. Hmm. There you go. Toriyama's got himself... He is a knight in, in, uh, in France now. But uh, as it turns out, he barely leaves the house. Hmm. Maybe one of the highest... I mean, I guess, international... Maybe one of the highest international sort of accolades a manga artist has maybe received. You know, besides something yeah. like a Tezuka award locally, you know. In Japan, probably, as a mangaka in Japan, you probably, like, or just won the Tezuka prize, but, you know. Which I can imagine. I think he mm. must have won at one point or another. I can only imagine yeah, that Toriyama yeah, I, I has Yeah, I haven't checked, but he so probably many. has. Yeah, yeah, he's probably got a Tezuka prize. Anyways. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, that's what we can see here. Um... Maybe what may or may not be good to hear on the other side of things is that Funimation has recently acquired UK anime distributor Manga Entertainment, which I've never really even heard of, but, you know. Um, So Funimation, as you may know, is one of the chief distributors of um, dubbed anime in the West. Um, And Variety is reporting that the acquisition will give Funimation an additional backlog of catalog of 900 hours worth of subtitled and dubbed anime content to distribute to people within the UK and Ireland 
uh, Jerome Mazandarani, manager of Manga Entertainment, commented about the acquisition. So he said, On behalf of Manga Entertainment, we're thrilled to join Funimation in their expanding global business. We're excited for the new opportunities that lie ahead and to serve the anime fans in the UK and Ireland in a bigger way than ever before. So a pretty general kind of statement. Um, some fans are, meanwhile, a little bit cautious about that. They're bringing cautious to win because of Funimation's uh, past trappings in terms of uh, censorship or, in the worst cases, in my, in, from my perspective, politicising certain anime titles such as Hajime no Gal, which I don't think I've watched that one, but I, heard it ha- I, I know of it happening. And, you know, my, my perspective, Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Um, not, no, but, you know. As as well as their sort of approach to addressing the community of uh, anime watchers, but uh, right, you know, in response to that. So also the company doing things such as you know, um, removing segments from certain distributed versions of Dragon Ball Super Broly, um, seemingly out of spite, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's a it, you know the article says it's a bold move by Funimation given that they are dealing with currently two lawsuits. The first one is just a patent one about Funimation now streaming service. I don't really think that one will hold water, but it's just annoying to have. It's just going to be expensive. And in the second one, of course, being the topic I usually cover quite frequently, the lawsuit with voice actor Vic Mignano. So, yeah, a lot of people um, see this as consolidating, as Funimation trying to consolidate their power over anime localization and the distributing market. I don't know who a lot of people is, but, you know, it kind of looks that way. Um, by usurping all the smaller regional distributors. But, yeah, so that is the most recent acquisition. And that's pretty much all i got to say about that one. I don't really know what this is actually going to, you know, affect. But, you know, eh, <laughs> make of it what you will, I guess. Right. All right. Well, what? I have some more... Uh... Some more like, eh, don't know how to feel about it kind of news, I guess. Uh, Overlord author uh, Kagane Maruyama has actually expressed his frustration over fan translations uploaded to third-party sites. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, Overlord 3 recently, or not too recently, but back on the 23rd, uh, back in May, released uh, with a bonus piece of uh, bonus piece of uh, novelization uh, known as the Vampire Princess of the Lost Country. <clears throat> the novel was distributed, and uh, apparently the English fan translation was then posted on Reddit, although the text has since been removed. Um, However, the text, of course, being that it was uploaded to the internet anyways, it has been distributed to multiple third parties where it now exists. A Twitter user who identifies by the name Rainy Cloud, and very aptly named, went to Tori or went to Mr. Uh, uh, Maruyama and said, a translation appears to have been uploaded to a foreign site. Isn't there any way to take action against this? Kind of like, you know, raining on his damn parade. Mariyama responded, oh man, really? My motivation to write has been going down the drain. Maybe I should just finish Overlord and go back to being a company employee. Well, for now, Mm -hmm. I'll cut down on the planned story content and aim to finish the series at volume 17. Now, it's not too much really different here. 
that he's saying he's going to end it in 17. Uh, back in 2016, right. he had previously announced that he was going to end the Overlord series at volume 18, give or take some leeway. Right. So right. it could be very well that he is going to be cutting down some additional content so that he can wrap things up come volume 17. Nevertheless, Murayama indicated his frustration in his following tweet, stating that, Sorry, all of you who bought with good money. Bad money drives out good. Anyways, it's going to be tough to conclude at volume 16, so I'm taking things at a moderate pace. Now, right. his reference here, or his tweet, is in reference to Gresham's Law, which states that if there are two forms of coin in circulation, which are worth the same value by law, then the coins that are made out of cheaper material will drive out the coins that are made out of more expensive material. Right. However, I kind of disagree with this, because... Uh-huh. He's getting upset over fan translations, which I find sometimes to be more true to what is in the actual, like, you know, the actual content than some official translations. For instance, Okaido's Monster Musume and uh -huh, his uh -huh. other work, um, 12 Beasts, I think it is. Right. Both of them were translated and they suck. The translations to them, and these are the official translations, are horrible. I've mentioned it before. The guy behind the translations for these is some, some asshole who graduated from some law school with a Japanese degree because probably he failed at being a lawyer. And so he does random translations for, I think, Seven Seas Entertainment. He's a, yeah. a part, a contracted translator. And his translations suck dick they suck they're horrible he'll translate something that says you know what's wrong with her to who peed in her cheerios uh, i'll fucking stick my fucking foot in his goddamn ass he'd lick the shit off my foot fucking that's, this asshole ruins those kinds of books <laughs> so then you go and you look at the fan translations though for okaido stuff they're way better they're what got me to buy his books in the first place because they were fan-fucking-tastic. They were great, and they made me laugh, and I had fun. And then I went and I got the you know official translations, and all I was was upset and angry. So, yeah. Mr. Mayuyama, if that is how you pronounce your name, <laughs> uh -huh. maybe you should, instead of getting all poopy-poopied about, you know... Oh, people are translating my stuff and uploading it for free to, you know, random, you know, sites and whatnot. That happens all the time. You know it. Yeah. We know it. It's not going to stop. So don't get depressed. Yeah. Do something about it. Change something. You know, be happy with the fan translations. Reach out to the people That's who did the... translate it and maybe, you know, see if, like, there was anything that they talked about where they were like, oh, yeah, the official translations weren't that great. We'll see. Yeah. No, but you didn't do that. Instead, you just got like, oh, what was me? Yeah, I mean, you should definitely just try to outcompete them, to be honest, because the thing is, is that I guess when it comes to fan translations, they, they don't really stand to make much money out of it either, the fans, right? But that's why it's like, you know, it's a piece of, it's, it's worked out of like passion more than it is just to make money. So yeah. Ideally, you hire those people to become the actual translators because they're they were happy enough to do it for free. Maybe hire those guys to actually be the real translators, and you know, 
Again, if you're what... if you're offering a better product, it would sell more. You know, it's bottom line. But just getting pissy about it, it's not a solution. Yeah, yeah, and that's what. Uh, I mean, that's what. Uh, what was it? It was. Um, I think it was Crunchyroll that did huh. that, where they were just up re-uploading a bunch of like fan translated stuff, and then they started charging memberships to watch that stuff on their site. Right which got them into a lot of legal trouble. So they actually mm. hired, I think they actually hired out to some of the, like the fan translators and hired them onto Crunchyroll so that they could produce the content, you know, and charge for it. Right. Before they were quite as official as they are now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, I guess I agree yes. to disagree. Like we were saying before the show started, you know, just because they're in the industry doesn't mean they have everybody's perspective, especially the consumers. So, yeah. Right. There but, you, you know, that's uh, I don't think that's the only salty piece of news we have here. Ooh, some foreshadowing this time. Okay, yeah. So, getting getting to being salty, we have Anime News Network. Again, I knew this was going to come back. I foreshadowed that too. Uh, get salty over false copyright strike row. And threatens YouTuber Hirohei. So there's a YouTuber called Hirohei who's been uh, posting stuff about the making videos and streams regarding the Vic Minyana situation. I haven't directly been talking about that, so it's been good this week. I've been a good one. But he has fallen under fire from Anime News Network who um, took down his... Well, they gave him a corporate claim. In a video of his that... Oh no, it's not even a video. It's just a live stream of his... Uh, which is technically a video, that featured an interview that they had on their podcast with Vic Mignana, and, you know, just cr- he was criticising them for it, right? Well, a while later, he had a he had a copyright strike on that video, and there's actually a Twitter user of a, of a guy, I think an editor, who works at ANN, I mean, it seems to be his username, called Chris, Christoph McDonald, who um, posted on Twitter, I filed my first cop- YouTube copyright claim today, Pretty sure the person I filed it against is gonna make some noise about it. Can't wait. So clearly, somebody's just trying to start shit over at Anime News Network, and that really helped raise your respect for them before. Um, well, this might, you know. Anyways, so since then, uh, Hirohei got some support, um, and he was a, uh, you know. There were some conspiracy theories going on about this because in order to fight a a copyright claim, you do have to like I think it was like post an address or something like that. So thoughts were that ANN was maybe using this as an excuse to get like Hero Hayes details so they could maybe try and dox him or some shit. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but it might be the strategy given that this is definitely falls within fair use. Um, but he got backed up because you can also use your legal representative to actually um, a legal official to actually you know, fight against the strike. So he actually got the help of um, the YouTube lawyer that I've been mentioning a few times, Riketa Law, Nick Riketa, to actually work on his behalf, um, fight against the copyright strike. So since then, they have he has now more recently managed to strike back against that and get that strike removed. He also, after the fact, chose to delete the video, although that wasn't, necess- that wasn't apparently necessary to do. But since then, he did put out a post, say, you know, thanking everybody. Uh, wait a second. Okay, so... Uh, since then, 
uh, Hirohe put out a tweet thanking everybody for their support and Rokita Law for helping to reinstate his channel. But then the actual official Anime News Network Twitter posted underneath in, a re- in response saying that if by won the dispute you mean gave up and deleted the infringing video, sure, whatever. We dare you to upload it again in the exact same format. So basically threatening to um, take legal action against Hirohe if he kept the video up. Um, keep in mind, even if you delete a video, it doesn't actually remove a copyright strike if that was actually copyright strike um, for that purpose uh, from your channel. So Anime News Network definitely had to either just ha- perform no action at all and basically back down on this entire thing. Because at this point, when, the, when you make a counter notification, you only have a choice of either just dropping it or you can basically take it to court, basically. And Anime News Network chose not to. But now they're threatening to do the same thing against Hirohei if he kept the, if he puts the video back up. So, I know, everyone's basically, t- you know, calling them out for this because, you know, there's, there's definitely a huge amount of salt there. Um, A&N as uh, CEO, not CEO, editor-in-chief has um, voiced plenty of times in the past about his sort of distaste towards uh, YouTubers, especially the ones that have, you know, taken, called them out for their false reporting on the whole Vic Mignana situation. Um, and there have been all sorts of memes that have been going around, uh, some of which were like, you know, one of the more popular ones being comparing uh, CNN, no, ANN to CNN because of like the comparison of like, well, not just the logo and not, I mean, not, not just the, not just the, um, the way the name abbreviates, but also because of how both companies are news sites that have, um, falsely made reports in the past and, acted in very similar ways. It's actually quite an apt comparison to have between the two. So, I mean, this this uh, article goes into more detail about, you know, um, some of the things that you might take issue with that ANN has done in the past. And again, you know, going back towards what Yotaru was saying earlier on, I, um, I wasn't aware of all these things. So it might be really good that I know that they've been this way, you know, that we now know they've been this way all along. Um... But yeah, I do. I do also just think this is really funny that you know, ANN is is just full of salt at the moment in regards to the situation. I mean, it just seems so passive aggressive and just like it seems like a very petty thing for our like to be posted from the official Twitter of Anime News Network. You know, the the most trusted proponent of uh of anime news you can get. But you know, they're, they're also the same party that they're also the same party that will call um, you know, the YouTube uh, news resources or sources of information nazis and shit so that kind of tells you a little bit about where their political leanings uh, line up and how that is kind of factored into their reporting so there you go pretty much it sorry i went on for a bit longer that's all right yeah it's uh also i'll still continue to use ann for finding news articles and whatnot but yeah you know just have to be on the lookout for if they uh if any of their Absolutely. news may seem to be uh, leaning one way or another. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, reporting things like people voted top 10 of this anime or announcements of things are coming out, you know, they're very unlikely going to do anything to those, right? But uh, just be wary of, of um, you know, factual articles that are basically disguised versions of opinion pieces is all. You know, pinch of salt. That's the best way yep. to... 
you know, I mean, or a cup of salt. you know, <laughs> cup, ah, yeah, fucking truckload of salt, but you know, in, in terms of their case, but um, you know, I think no, no one should really have to tell you to, you know, double check any information if you really are wary about it. But you know, there you go. All right. Indirectly reported something Vic Mignano related, but it's indirect. So. Yeah, it's it's still good. We're we're good. We're yeah. saving up for it. Um, yeah, saving up for it. Mm. With that, wraps up our industry news. We can move into our reviews. And uh, I'll be, I guess I'll start us off here with my mm-hmm. review of Girly Air Force. <clears throat> now, did you know that we have gotcha games about Moe anthropomorphic battleships, Moe anthropomorphic guns, and even Moe anthropomorphic historical legends and heroes? Yet, we do not have one about airplanes. Where am I supposed to get my fill of a cute F7F Tiger Cat, or a sultry B2 Bomber, or maybe even a Yonderday SR-71 Blackbird. Someone get on making this. There's money to be had. But, you know, we're not here to talk about my new idea for a gotcha game. I'm going to be talking about anthropomorphized airplanes, though, specifically ones that can be found in Girly Air Force. To be perfectly honest, I'm not quite sure what I was expecting going into this anime. But I knew I had enjoyed Arpeggio of Blue Steel, so I thought the two might be similar. The anime is all about this invading force known as the Zai, who may not be as alien as they appear. They appeared out of nowhere, as a technologically superior race happens to do, and started to decimate human settlements all across the globe. They made no attempts at conveying any demands or talking to humans at all. They were just hell-bent on destroying our ability to travel via plane or ship. To this point, they are introduced to us, attacking a fleet of refugees attempting to escape China that has fallen to the Xi. This is where we meet our main protagonist, a young man by the name of Kei Nurotani, who in the past lost his mother to a Xi attack and has been forced to live with his closest and overbearing friend, Minwa Song, who also lost her parents. Luckily, she has a deep crush on him, so it's not like there's about to be a huge life-changing event that introduces a new waifu into Kay's life. Like, for instance, a fighter jet that just saves his ass from being killed by his eye, crash landing in the water nearby and revealing a cute girl to be the pilot who latches on to Kay like a facehugger and gives him a big old smooch. Oh wait, that actually happens. Right. Well, due to that event, Kay becomes obsessed with wanting to learn who that girl was. Likely because that was his first kiss, and by anime standards, that means she is destined to bear his children. But, nevertheless, he just so happens to spot the very same fighter jet from before being taken to a military base. Against the wishes of Minwa, those whose thought senses were tingling, he tries to sneak into the base only to be captured by men in black suits and interrogated by anime Gabe Newell, who calls himself Haruka. Luckily for Kay, <laughs> this harassment ends up upsetting his jet wife, so Gabe gives up the gig and introduces Kay to his new waifu, a young girl by the name of Gripen, 
created by combining Psi technology with our own, a hybrid, if you will, that for some reason are called daughters in this world. Long story short, these daughters, because more do show up, don't really know why the Xi are killing off humanity, at least not directly. From what I could gather, it seems the objective of the Xi is less total eradication and more a population control. Almost if this desire created by Earth, which is sentient somehow, and knows that it is time to stem the growth. You know, like the anti-spirals in Tempentopa Girl Lagan. That's yeah. just an idea, though. No definitive proof. Okay. Aside from Gripen, the other daughters we meet are Eagle, Phantom, Viper Zero, and Rhino. Eagle I'm is the blonde... Yeah. Eagle is the blonde Sorry. bimbo who likes to fight. Phantom uh-huh. is the tactical and cool-headed one. Viper Zero will look whoever will look like whoever you want her to, and uh-huh. uh, talks like Selty from Dorarara. And Rhino uh-huh. is the only daughter America has, and sadly loses because Americans are assholes who restrict her every <laughs> movement. So she gave in to the enemy. Poor oh, Rhino. God. The anime deals with things like how K can only withstand a low, lower number of Gs than the daughters can produce, but he compensates for making Gripen go slower by being her pilot and having her focus on being in control of weaponry. There is also the hate the daughters get by some people because before they see a cute waifu, they see a gross hybrid made with parts of the enemy. And there's also this reoccurring bit where Kay goes deeper and deeper into the collective unconsciousness of the Zai, where he meets a competent Gripen who attempts time and time again to tell him the truth of everything, but ends up going through a dead zone every time. If you couldn't tell, I wasn't terribly invested or impressed by Girly Air Force. It was a mediocre anime with a plot that failed to achieve liftoff. Had the anime focused on this whole reason for why the Xi are attacking humanity and cut back on the silliness injected between battles, maybe there might have been something interesting. I'm all for shows and series that feature humanity on the losing side, but only because I've grown up watching things where, in the end, humans prevail. They win. And I'm bored of that. The animation... It's done by Studio uh, State Light, who lended their talents here, giving us an average animation with some lackluster daughter designs. The aircraft it, just... A... Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was go ahead. Say, is, this a Chinese, is this a Chinese studio, by any chance? What studio? Is this a Chinese studio because of all the Oh, is it a Chinese you, studio? You mentioned... Yeah, you uh, No, it's a Japanese place. studio. All right, so it just happened to have Chinese names and stuff in there. Okay, cool. Just wondering. Yeah. Um, the aircraft here are just recolored and shiny versions of their IRL counterparts. It's yeah. rather uninspired. There was also mm-hmm. a big use of CG as the Zyre, nothing more than computer animations. And they look like the creation of those using transparent Lego pieces. It, really nothing to say about voice acting. It was average. And I might have had a favorite character who was Rhino, but she really wasn't given much time to grow. So yeah, Girly Air Force gets a Netflix. Ah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, like, you know, from what I've, I've also watched episode one of it, and it's kind of whereabouts I kind of thought it was going to go. But, yeah. yeah. It's just kind of, kind of, uh, kind of meh. Yeah. yeah, just kind of along for the ride for it. So, yeah, makes yep. sense. And, yeah, the biggest thing we both picked up on early on was the whole plane designs are a little god inspired. But, yeah, both agree on that. Cool, cool. Right, so that's another one in the books. I guess I'll start our closer then. So, Koe no Kadachi, A Silent Voice, or The Shape of the shape of Voice is a 2016 <laughs> high school... I know, it's, the last one's a bit of a weird name for it, but, you know. Apparently it's Does a she date a weird, a weird alien water creature? Oh, Shape of Water. Yeah, no, no, she doesn't. No, nothing, nothing quite as fantastical in this one, I'm afraid. <laughs> Just the fantasy that comes of um, the the I guess the what do you call it the summer of one's youth I guess I mean like I guess we call high school more of a spring of our lives but in Japan it's the summer of your life because it's all downhill after high school am I right guys from Japan who's listening to this you know anyway um so it's a 2016 high school drama movie that's pretty well received from the looks of things it's got like a nine out of ten on Mal. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes and an 8.4 on IMDb, which is pretty high for that site. But did it just did it hold over just as well with me? This film has a two pretty dis- distinct segments to it, that being the elementary school phase, which is the backstory at the start, and the high school part that takes up the rest of the runtime. This story is primarily told from the perspective of Shoya, a youth who, along with his peers, started to bully, to cruelly bully a lad. Shoku, the deaf transfer student, but eventually gets a taste of his own medicine when he takes it too far and Shoku's mother gets involved. After this, he also gets ostracized from his peers all the way up to his third year of high school, where, as luck would have it, he's now in the same school again as Shoku. This is a story of redemption where Shoya tries to make amends for his sins of his childhood and while also trying to overcome his own social anxieties brought about by years of bullying that have been inflicted on himself. The film is pretty segmented overall in miniature arcs in a way that almost makes it play out like an episodic series. There's the main focus arc of the sh- you know of the sh- movie, I was going to say show, which is Shokua and Shoya's relationship that blooms about as far as is standard with a Kyoto animation piece. Don't expect... Don't expect a kiss anytime soon because, you know, Kyoto Animation don't like to go past the hand-holding. Keep in mind, Chunibyo, it took two seasons before he asked if it was okay to hold hands. But, you know, as well as Shoya slowly starting to get over his awkwardness, which is, which are also, those two are the most effective story components in this film. Then there's the not as good but decent ones like Shoya's making new friends, well, his best friend is at least, slowly earning the trust of Shoko's family due to his troubled past with her. And there's the not-so-good stuff, like him mending relationships with people he knew from elementary school, the reason some of those other aspects of the film didn't work as well, by my estimation, is the way they're paced. Like, Shoya's relationship with Shoko's sibling ties up pretty quick, and the amount of time afforded to them, like when they introduce a new character, I mean, like, they introduce a new character out of nowhere, past the halfway point, and it turns out he doesn't really do anything of note, so there's some things in there that are kind of just kind of head-scratching in terms of their delivery. Because of this, the mini-arcs feel a bit too separate and don't necessarily integrate well with the overarching narrative. 
It's at those times that I do feel that maybe this film would have benefited from just being a full 13 episode series because the film is already 2 hours and 10 minutes long and more time may be needed to flesh out the weaker parts because of like, you know, there's like a girl that was also a bully back in elementary school and she's a little bit spotty to kind of really get where she's coming from in her arc when she re-enters his life, you know, so there's not, there's stuff there that just needs a bit more work and as it, as it is, though, there's a smooth through line with the two leads, but some of the side characters seem to flip-flop and seem to be missing parts of their story in order to, for it to all actually make more sense or actually have some impact, such as um, Shoko's one friend from elementary school that ended up moving away. Um, but as it stands, what works really works in A Silent Voice, despite there being more than a few cliches sprinkled here and there, as well as what I would count as some pretty convenient coincidences at times. Also, while I will say the film quite well analyzes the subject of bullying, depression, and suicide, having a mature approach in terms of painting some things in shades of grey, there are also some segments that come across a little bit too heavy-handed for me, uh, and that may be partially just due to Shoko, and while I like Shoko as a character, she does come across a little bit too perfect and innocent, which, you know, I know it's a bit of a nitpick, but I'm just really, you know, I'm trying hard to say things without actually giving out any spoilers with this one. Overall, I was never bored during the film's meaty runtime of 2 hours and 10 minutes. Um, like I said, you know, there are bits where you can definitely just take a break and come back to, honestly. Cause it kind of plays out almost episodic-like at times. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's actually was was good for what it was worth in terms of story and plot. Um, and it really does kind of feel like you're just kind of seeing a segment of these people's lives, which I guess is in essence what Slice of Life and such and school drama is all about. Now, while I'm not 100% sure about how well all the elements worked in this film, uh, one thing I have no issue with giving a high grade would be the presentation. This is a good looking film, which honestly, when it comes to Kyoto animation, is just par for the course. And while mm -hmm. bright and glossy, it's not my preference when it comes to aesthetics. A Silent Voice is an example of doing the, you know, bright and glossy, pastel coloured sort of thing right. The tone is kept pretty light as a result, despite how heavy the subject matter tends to be and how dramatic it can be. So it's actually a pretty balanced dish. It's directed by... Yamada Naoko, who I've been lucky enough to actually see in person and actually ask a question to in the past. She seems like a good choice given her experience in directing works like Clanad, also a school drama with heavy, you know, drama elements. Mm -hmm. uh, but she may be even better known for her directing role on the K-On! series and its movie. Personally, I more appreciate her directing of episode 5 and 8 of Nichijou, but that's because I just love Nichijou and make it a point to make that fact known whenever possible. The character design is also very, very appealing. Think of it as slightly less Moe than K-On! and slightly more Moe than Violet Evergarden, if that makes sense to anybody in the room. But man, that is secondary to the animation. As the main heroine is deaf, sign language plays a key role and needed to be well animated for this film to work and they really hit it out of the park there in terms of presentation. I mean, the strengths of the visual presentation is by no means lopsided into just that, because the various settings, especially the bridge where the characters uh, frequently meet to feed fish, is just packed with character and really sticks in the mind's eye past, well, you know, way well past watching this film. 
But it's not even just to say it's easy on the eyes, because the voice work is also high quality by my metrics at least, with Hayami Saori, who plays Shoko, stealing the show with very convincing performance of a deaf girl. As usual, I can't remember music honestly, so just assume that it's decent as well, I guess, because you know, much else to say. But yes, that pretty much does it for that one. Uh, in conclusion, A Silent Voice, Koino Katachi, is a pretty well-made film. I don't know if I'd give it anywhere near as high as it's been acclaimed online. You know, it, it, what I said earlier on when I was rounding out plot is what works in this film really works. And I just feel it had a, it needed a little bit more time to flesh out those bits. If they had just kind of distributed and removed some of the bits that I don't think really amount to much, such as the relationship with some of his old friends and the ending at times feeling a bit rushed. And they just focused on his social anxiety and the, I guess, the kind of budding relationship and blooming romance with the with the deaf girl. I think it would have been a really, I think it would have been a solid download now, but as it stands, it falls just short. It's a very solid, very solid crackers. And I would still recommend this to pretty much anybody who at least is not put up by the notion, put off by the notion of it being slightly dramatic. You know, it's good looking on the eyes. I mean, if you were, if you couldn't even understand what they were saying and you were in Japan and you did happen to be deaf, I think it would also still be entertaining to watch as well, just visually wise. So, yeah. That's my verdict on uh, Koino Katachi. So, there you go. Crackers. Interesting. A Kyo animation that gets a crackers. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily a bad thing, but still. Interesting. It's, a high, I think... it's a high crackers. It's a high one, but, you know. Yeah, they're like a Ritz, but still, at the same time, I think I don't think Kyo Animations has gotten anything less than a download now from us. Ever before. Really? Even... Really? Hmm. I, I'll need to. Ch I'll double check that later after the show. Let me just uh, do a quick run through here. I know something that comes to mind right now. It's a Chunibyo, is the only other thing. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I think I may have given that a download now. All right. Okay. Any yeah, case, I, I know what uh, you're saying, Rampant. By the way, in terms of Moe's not just visual. Yeah, I'm talking specific. When I was mentioning that, I was describing the visuals specifically Moe wise. I wasn't talking about the way characters act cute and stuff. I was just meaning visually. It's more moy than Ke it's less moy than Kale, but more moy than Violet Evergarden. Purely visual. Sorry, you you can round off. You're gonna wind down there. Oh yeah, but uh, I'm just double trying to check in here real quick to see if I ever Chunibyo. Uh, oh no, yeah, Chunibyo got a crackers. But that was way... I, I probably would give that a crackers as well. I'd probably give Junibio crackers. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I think I gave it the crackers because that was back mm. when T uh, Time Chaser was around. He reviewed Majin Bone. Majin so. Bone. Majin Bone. Never heard of that yep. One. Never heard of that one. It sounds like a parody version of Majin Buu from Dragon Ball. <laughs> it's okay. a digital card game. Um... Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Card game anime. Oh yeah, definitely go through the ra their rampant. Second season of Chinese is nowhere near as good as the first season. That one might just have like a low crackers at best, but might even be a Netflix. Wow, Majin Bo It sounds like a Dojin version that features Majin Bo. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Any case. That yep. does it for 
your review. That does it for my review. And we are done with this show. Yes. Or episode. We're not done with the show. We're done with this episode. Right. And, yes. uh, but of course, before we go, we do have some people to thank. Which, if I remember correctly, is Tag, Alkazero, Phantom, Shuji, and Tentatively Mel. Alga Zero, should she? Fan- oh, V. V, that's the one. Yes, v. there you go. Sex. I, I always cut sex in my hands, so yeah, sex. V and yeah. all of our anonymous sponsors, as always. Yes, thank you very much, guys. And until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep the anime love strong. <laughs>